listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Church, we're on week three of craving. Week three. And um, I I just want to thank God for his direction. I I admitted to you the first week that I didn't know if this was a one-week, two-week, or three-week series. I think it's a four-week series. I think. But I have the right to um, change that at any moment. I'm reserving that right. Um, Matter of fact, if today doesn't go well, um, Pastor Andrew, you'll preach next Sunday, and uh, I'll just listen. No, um, the first week I told you that we all have appetites and cravings, and I share with you that if you are not fulfilled or if you are lacking in any area of your life, you will develop a craving, and the longer that that appetite goes unattended, the stronger it becomes. Now, this, this part of, of the review is very important for today. And, and so, so just let this refresh your memory. If you weren't here, let me just catch you up. Adam and Eve were not hungry for food. God gave them every tree in the garden except for one to eat from. They were not hungry for food. They were hungry for knowledge. That's what they wanted. They wanted knowledge. And that is exactly where the enemy tempts us. In the places where we feel depleted in our lives, that's where he tempts us. And so if, if you're, this isn't jiving with you, if it hasn't clicked yet, let me just spell it out for you. In your marriage, if you feel neglected, if you feel depleted, then that is where the enemy will tempt you. Okay, that's where he, he brings the enticement. If you're struggling on your job and you don't feel fulfilled on your job, The enemy will open doors. Listen, God opens doors, but the enemy opens doors too. And we've got to know how to discern the difference between the two. And the enemy will open doors and he will cause you to make mistakes because you're empty, you're depleted in that area of your life and that's where he brings the temptation for us. Last week I stressed to you that whatever you feed will grow. If you feed your flesh, your flesh will win. If you feed your spirit, then your spirit will win. And as we saw with the Hebrews, the children of Israel, as they were standing at the promised land, that they fed their fears and their fears grew. And it caused a whole generation to miss out on the promised land. Today, we're gonna continue with this series, Craving. At the University of Chicago Divinity School, they used to have this day called Baptist Day. Baptist Day, and and on this day, everyone was encouraged to bring a a bag lunch to be eaten outdoors on this grassy picnic area, and every Baptist Day, the school would invite one of the greatest minds to lecture in their theological education center, and this one particular year, they invited Dr. Paul Tillich, and Dr. Tillich spoke for two and a half hours. You are blessed, church. He went for two and a half hours proving, in his opinion, proving that the resurrection of Jesus was false. He quoted scholar after scholar and book after book. And and he concluded that since there was no such thing as the historical resurrection, that the religious tradition of the church was groundless. He called it emotional mumbo-jumbo. Because it was based on a relationship with a risen Jesus who, in fact, in his opinion, never rose from the dead in a literal sense. 
And then he asked if there were any questions. After about 30 seconds of silence, there was an old white-haired preacher in the back of the auditorium that stood up. He said, Dr. Tillich, I have one question. And all eyes focused on this man. He reached down in his packed lunch, and out of his brown paper bag, he pulled an apple out, and he took a bite. He said, I've got one question. He said, my question is a simple question. He said, now I ain't never read them books you read. He said, I can't quote the scriptures in the original. I don't know anything about any scholars. He said, all I want to know is, this apple I just ate, was it sour or was it sweet? Dr. Tillich paused for a moment, and then he answered in scholarly fashion. He said, I cannot passion for I have not tasted your apple. The old white-haired preacher dropped the core of his apple back into the bag, looked up at Dr. Tillich and said calmly, neither have you tasted my Jesus. Psalm 34 and 8 tells us, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How many of you are thankful that you have had a taste and you've seen that the Lord is good? Amen? I have tasted and I have seen that the Lord is good. He is so faithful. So faithful. And listen, if you're here today and, and, and you've never tasted and, and you've never seen that the Lord is good, my friend... I am praying that you'll give the Lord a chance, that you will taste and see because he's faithful and I know that you will see what I see, that the Lord is good. The story goes on and says, the 1,000 people in attendance could not contain themselves. The auditorium erupted. Dr. Tillich thanked his audience and he promptly left the auditorium. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now I know that most parents in the room have, ex you've probably experienced this. It's, it's almost like a rite of passage, I think. I think we have to go through this as parents. You know, you, you feed your children, whether it's at home or a restaurant, and you make them eat so you know that there's something in their belly because you watched, you made them eat. Only for about an hour later, they come up to you and they say these words. It's two words and it's haunting. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And you're, in your mind, you're, there's no possible way that you're hungry. And, and you may respond with something like, we just ate, but I'm hungry. And I, I'll tell you this, that it doesn't matter how old they are. 
Because we can go out to eat to a restaurant. And my 24-year-old daughter, when we get home, she will make a box of macaroni and cheese and eat the whole box. Bless your heart, dear. Bless your heart. And she makes no apologies for it. She's so proud right now. She's sitting up here with her shoulders square back. And just, yep, that, that's my girl. Is it possible, church, that you can be both full and hungry at the same time? I mean, this is a, is a good question, right? Can you be both full and hungry at the same time? All the kids in the room are like, see, now he's preaching, Mom. Now, you need to listen to the preacher right now. You need to listen to Pastor Rocky because he's speaking right to you. Can you be both full and hungry at the same time? And in the physical, this can mean a number of things. When you, you have the feeling of both being full and hungry at the same time, it can mean that there's a medical condition that needs to be treated. It, it, it could mean that there's a psychological condition. It, it can also mean that you exercise a lot and you have a high level of metabolism like me. I mean, I exercise a lot, and that's why I stay so slim is because, uh, no, no. <laughs> Stop looking at me like that. Every Friday, I get a text from Jamie back there inviting me to his house to do CrossFit. The man is faithful. I am not. In the spiritual it is not only possible to be full and hungry at the same time. I'll submit to you that it's healthy. To be both spiritually full and spiritually hungry at the same time. Jesus stood on a hillside teaching a multitude of people. At what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And he, he started with the Beatitudes. And one of the Beatitudes, Jesus said these words in Matthew 5 and 6. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Yes, we can be both spiritually full and spiritually hungry at the same time. As a matter of fact, the more that you go after God, the more of God that you want. I don't know if you've ever experienced this in your life before, but in those seasons of my life where I am hungry for more of God, the more that I go after God, the more of God that I want. Yes, I am full, spiritually full, but the more that I consume of God, the more of God that I want. It's like uh, I, I can't be satisfied. I, I want to go deeper with him. I want to know more about him. I want to be more like him. And so you can be both full and hungry spiritually at the same time. It's kind of like this. When Mandy and I were dating, I wanted to be near her all the time. It's crazy. You know that, that, that puppy love that you have, that you can't get enough of each other? For those of you in the room that you're dating or you're um, engaged right now, you know this feeling. You know what I'm talking about. I would spend the entire evening with her, drop her off at her house, and I would go home and I would call her. And she's laying in her bed at her house. I'm laying in my bed at my house. And we would fall asleep on the phone listening to each other. And then I would hear her say, are you asleep? And I'd be like, no, 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 no. Just in deep thought. That was, that was deep, what you just said. Well, I just asked you if you want to go out Friday night. Yes, babe. And I'm contemplating that, yes. 
couldn't get enough, couldn't get enough. And then we got married. And I'll tell you, at the beginning of marriage, I was full. I, she was mine. I know some of you don't like that, but she belonged to me. I got a ring to prove it. She was mine. But gone were those days that I wanted to put in a little bit extra overtime because I had a wife waiting on me at home, and I wanted to get home to her. When the guys called and wanted to go play basketball, mm, probably not tonight because I got a wife waiting on me at home. She is mine, but I want to be with her more both full and hungry at the same time. And you know what happens over time? You start taking that person for granted. I've done it. She's done it. If, if you've been married for a significant amount of time, you've done it. You start taking that person for granted. So then you, you don't have that same passion. You don't have that same hunger that you once had. The same thing happens to us spiritually. Please listen to me, church. The same thing happens spiritually. We are hungry for God. We start a relationship with Christ. And at first, we just want more, more. When you first come to Christ, man, you just want to consume it. You, you, you want to know more. But over time, you start taking that relationship with him for granted. And when you start taking that relationship for him, with him for granted, then you start feeling the hunger with other things. And, and, and listen, trust me, I'm not questioning your salvation today. That's not where I'm going with that, and I'll prove it to you in just a moment. But I'm just telling you, we must be careful that we don't take God for granted in our walk and our relationship with Christ. Now, hunger can be a sign of health. We often think of hunger as, this, as something that's negative, we see commercials of starving children on TV and we realize how blessed that we are and how unfortunate they are. And, and it messes with us a little bit. We see these commercials of starving dogs and Sarah McLaughlin singing in the arms of an angel, you know, and, and we immediately start hating that song. But we see these malnourished dogs, these mistreated dogs, and it pulls on our heartstrings, and we, and we feel sorry for them. That's the negative view that we have of it, but, but hunger is not always a bad thing. Hunger can be a sign of health. When, when a baby has no appetite, when it's not eating, parents then get concerned because something's not right when they're not hungry. And so we want to know that they're going to eat, that they have an appetite so that we can feed them and we can watch them grow. When the elderly lose their appetite, it's usually not a good sign. They, they, they then must drink supplements so that they, they don't become dehydrated and malnourished. And, and, and so when you stop craving food or you lose your appetite, that can be a sign that, that you are not well. But spiritually speaking, when you stop craving God and you lose your appetite for the things of God, you are not spiritually healthy. I'm going to be reading today's, today out of Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. And, and I'll admit to you that we really don't know who the author of the book of Hebrews is. Some people assign it to the apostle Paul, but we're not, we're not certain. But Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14 speaks volumes to this subject today. Let's read, beginning with verse 12. The author says, 
You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Listen to this. This is a letter of rebuke, okay? It's correction. You have, been, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. And solid food is for those who are mature. Here it is who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Let me read that again. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Remember what I told you the first week of this series? It wasn't that God didn't want Adam and Eve to know. It wasn't that he didn't want them to have knowledge. They, they, were, uh, they were a grown man, a grown woman. When they took their first breath, they were physically mature, but they were spiritually and mentally immature. They were not ready for the knowledge of good and evil. And the writer of Hebrews clears this up for us, that through training, we will have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong, good and evil. But until you've been trained, until you have have, have matured in the faith, you will not understand this the way that you need to. God was just protecting them from knowing what they didn't need to know at that time. Now, many of you know that Mandy and I have raised two picky kids as it relates to food. They've been the object of sermon illustrations their whole lives. It's the danger of growing up in a pastor's home. Um, I, I don't apologize for it because it just it is what it is. I was a pastor's kid I was the subject of many illustrations. Their pastor's kids, they were the subject of many illustrations. If they don't like it, they can move out. Caleb did. He got married, moved out. Kendall still has a choice. So today, I get to talk about her. Simply put, Mandy and I, we just waited too long and too late to start forcing them to eat what they needed to eat. And now as young adults, Caleb is better because Mariah doesn't put up with it and she makes him eat. You married into the family, so now you're an illustration too. But, but Kendall is still pretty picky. She is. And I, I blasted her during first service. I'm not going to do it now. But, but she is. She's a very picky, picky eater. And throughout the years of them growing up in our household, it's safe to say that we have offered them. We've tried to make deals with them. They could be hundredaires by now. We've offered them hundreds of dollars throughout the years to try things that they would not try. I remember one time, we off, I didn't say it was good parenting, okay? We're not having a parenting conference in two weeks. We're having a marriage conference, okay? No. I remember one time we offered Caleb $100 cash, $100 if he would try macaroni and cheese. What kid doesn't like macaroni and cheese? He would not eat macaroni and cheese. And so we offered him $100 and he wouldn't eat it. He, wouldn't eat. he would today, but he wouldn't do it. They say that your taste buds change every seven years. And that's interesting to me because I know that there's some things in my life that as an adult I eat that I wouldn't eat when I was a kid. Anybody else? Do you, yep, okay. So most of us in the room. Man, this guy felt the Holy Spirit over here. There's just things that I wouldn't eat as a child that now I eat. Broccoli. 
Like broccoli was one of the grossest things to me as a child. I did not want to eat broccoli. As an adult, something changed with my taste buds and now I eat broccoli. Like I go to restaurants and order broccoli. And the way that it started, I would order broccoli and then I would baptize it in ranch dressing and eat it. Now I just eat steamed broccoli. I don't have a problem with it because apparently your taste buds change. A, a, another one um, was, was cabbage. Cabbage. I didn't like it. When I moved to Newberry 15 and a half years ago, I did not like cabbage. It's been, has it been 15 and a half? I'm making sure. Yeah, 15 and a half. I didn't like cabbage. And we went to somebody's house for a cookout. And they had tinfoil, and they put cabbage, and it had to be like five sticks of butter. <laughs> and they cooked cabbage on the grill, and since then, I eat cabbage. And now you don't have to put all the butter on it. I just like cabbage. Meatloaf. When I was a kid, I hated meatloaf. I would not eat meatloaf. Now, don't send me to Cracker Barrel, because I'm going to order meatloaf. I like meatloaf. And don't tell me what's in it. It's probably like a hot dog. Like, don't tell me the ingredients. I just want to eat it and enjoy it. So I don't know what's in it, but I like meatloaf now. And, and my taste buds, they have changed through the years. <coughs> I was recently reading a survey that said adults don't enjoy grown-up foods until their early 20s. It, it's like we grow into some foods that we didn't like when we were younger. But from my research, what I have come to realize and understand is that our taste buds don't necessarily change every seven years. It actually happens much, much faster than that. You see, what, I, what I've read is that each person is born with approximately 10,000 taste buds. You were born with about 10,000 taste buds, and those taste buds are replaced every two weeks or so. So every two weeks or so, you have a new set of taste buds. And although it might not immediately change what you crave or what you eat over time, it certainly may. There's also another interesting fact, and I think this is important. Over time, taste cells or taste buds, once you reach a certain age, they're no longer replaced. Like you lose them and you don't get them back. And their numbers start to decrease and so now it starts making sense that all of those flavors that were too intense when we were children, when we were younger, now they're more edible to us, palatable. Now they don't taste as bad. It's because you don't have as many taste buds anymore. That's why. Why does, or what does this have to do with my walk with God? I, I, I can see the wheels spinning in your head. You're like, Pastor, this is, this is I mean, great science, I guess, but what does this have to do with my, my walk with God? It has everything to do with your walk with God. Because when you start understanding this body, you will start understanding the body of Christ. Understanding that the human body and its mechanisms and its attributes and its functions are, are a metaphor for the unity of believers, we can only take note of how we are to function in comparison to the human body. There is a reason why God compared us to this. And after all, the Apostle Paul clearly stated that we make up the body of Christ. That's not by accident. And it's, it's, it's not a poor choice of words. It's very intentional. And even though we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews... We do know that, that the Apostle Paul echoed in another book 
some very similar thoughts. Listen to how Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth sounded a lot like Hebrews chapter five. Listen to what he writes, 1 Corinthians chapter three, verses one through three. Here's what he says. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Here's what he's saying. Listen to me. He said, I could not address you as spiritual people, but I had to address you as people of the flesh as infants in Christ. This tells me that we can be born again in Christ. We can be babes in Christ. We can be new believers. Hey, we can be seasoned believers. We can be old believers and still be operating in the flesh is what he's saying. We can still be feeding the flesh and have a relationship with Christ at the same time. Verse 2. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not yet ready, if you are still in the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Man, Paul was telling them that it is time for you to grow up and mature in your spirituality. As he writes to the church in Corinth, he writes to us and he says, listen, there was a time when you first came to Christ that you would drink the milk. That's all you could handle. He said, I could not feed you with solid food. And he's telling them, you haven't moved past that. You are still in the same place spiritually as you were when you first came to Christ. And church, the enemy wants to keep you there. Ultimately, he doesn't want you to begin a relationship with Christ. And once he loses that battle, now he just wants to keep you immature in Christ. Because when you're immature in Christ, then you don't have the ability to influence anyone else for the cause of Christ. There's no disciple making coming out of your life. You're, you're not... You're not creating new disciples. You're not training others. When he keeps you immature in your faith, yes, Paul is not questioning your salvation. Understand this. I'm not questioning our salvation. What I am saying is that there's more to the Christian walk than just being saved from hell. And for the five people in the room that said amen, thank you. You're going to heaven. For the rest of you, listen to me. There is more to our Christian walk than just our salvation. Yes, our salvation is the most important part of our lives. It's the most important decision that a person could ever make. But for us to stop there in our maturity, for us to stop there in our spiritual growth, it is a tragedy to the kingdom of God. Because there's things that he wants us to accomplish. There's people that he wants us to reach. There's family members. There's friends. There's co-workers. There, there is so much more to the gospel than just the salvation. And he wants us to grow and mature in that. And Paul was longing for the church in Corinth to do the same. The writer of Hebrews was writing to the Hebrew people. And he wanted them to do the same. It is time for you to grow up. But the enemy just wants you stuck on spiritual milk because he knows that you can't mature on it. And he wants to keep you as an infant. And, and, and listen, I'm, so, I'm trying to be so careful today. I really am. There are churches. I won't say any names of churches because I don't have a specific church in mind. But you know this is true. There are churches that are, are old. They are, are, they, some of them are 100 years old or older. 
faithful people. They're there every week. But they are spiritually immature. Not all of them. I'm saying there are some churches. And some of you, you were raised in churches like this. That even though people were faithful, even though people were Christians, even though they had the milk of the salvation, they did not grow and mature in their faith. And that's why there's bickering and there's backbiting and there's strife and there's jealousy. All the things that Paul was talking about there because they haven't grown up and they haven't matured past this. And it does more damage for the kingdom of God than it does help. Oh, I'm, I'm, some of you are touchy right now. I see. They're content with just drinking the milk. Let me help you. I, I can see the question marks on some of your faces. In order to give you a better understanding of what spiritual milk is, what spiritual milk is, just give me just a few moments here to explain what the, the scripture clearly spells out for us. Listen to this. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. This is it. This is what you need. Peter says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Spiritual milk is an understanding and acceptance of the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. That's what it is. That's spiritual milk. Listen to what he said. That by it, by spiritual milk, you may grow up into salvation. When you drink the spiritual milk, it gives you an understanding and an acceptance of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for you. You receive your salvation through the spiritual milk. And like a newborn baby, you don't have to do anything except latch on to it. Understand that. When you come to the faith, you don't have to do anything except latch on to it. It's already there. Christ paid the price. You don't have to do anything for it. All you have to do is gravitate towards it and say, I want it. It's mine. And it is a free gift from Jesus Christ. And, and you just have to latch on to it like a newborn baby. You latch on to that spiritual milk. That's it. It's so simple. Someone else is providing that nourishment for you. And we all must go through this stage in our spiritual life. Unless we drink of the spiritual milk, we are dead in our sins. We are lifeless. We are without Christ. But praise God that Christ provided salvation and then someone fed it to you. Someone spoke the word. Someone invited you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. They bottle fed you and you received the spiritual milk and now you are a Christian. I'm not even questioning that. But at some point along the way, the milk will not satisfy any longer and you will develop a, a, a longing. You will develop a, 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 a yearning for something more, something that, that is gonna help you grow. And if you are not careful, if you don't recognize this, you will turn to things of the world World, and you will begin to grow in those things and you will, you will forget and neglect what it means and what, it, what you need to grow into a spiritually mature man or woman of God. To only live spiritually on the ideology of salvation. And I'm not discrediting that. It, listen, if you walk out of here and misquote me, I will rebuke you publicly, okay? Please don't do that. There's nothing more important than your salvation. But to live spiritually on the ideology of salvation and, and only live on that, it keeps you from becoming the man or woman of God that he wants you to be. And at some point, you've got to dive into an understanding of theology and doctrine. I'm going to help you with that. At some point, you've got to get in deeper. You've got to dig into a balanced meal of an understanding. Let me just throw a couple of topics at you. You've got to come to an understanding 
of what sanctification is in your life. It's a word that we don't use around the church very much anymore. But you've got to come to a deeper understanding. When you begin chewing on the meat of the gospel, when you start taking the meat of God's word and you start chewing on that, you will have to develop an understanding of what sanctification is and what it means for your life. And and I'm going to make it very plain for you. Sanctification is realizing that God wants to make a change in you, that who you were before Christ is not who you are any longer. And so it's in direct competition. And many times it's battling the flesh, the spirit against the flesh. And you've got to make some changes in your life in order to grow in Christ, in order for you to become nourished in Christ so that you can grow into the man or woman of God that he wants you to be. And so with that being said, that means that as you struggle through that and you grow through that, that you are going to have to make some changes. And here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that some of you like your habits. You like your lifestyle more than you love your God. It sounds like I'm preaching hard at you today. I know it does. But man, I just want to see you grow. I want to see you grow. And part of the spiritual meat that we have to chew on is what it means to be sanctified in Christ Jesus. Allowing the Holy Spirit of God to do a work in us. I can tell you one of the things that I had to grow and mature with, and and a few times I choked on this, because that's what happens, right? When you start eating solid food, sometimes you'll choke on it. It's okay, it's part of the battle, it's part of the struggle, and and it's okay, God expects it. But I was raised in in a hyper-Pentecostal atmosphere and the baptism of the Holy Spirit was something that, that I struggled with because of what I saw and the emotionalism behind it. And, and, and what I did is, is, is I started turning the complete opposite direction, which was not biblical also. And, and, and I wanted to believe that there was a cessation, a, a, an end to the spiritual gifts. And if I could just find something that would help me prove that. And so I started going to credible resources, credible publishers, and reading everything that I could. My wife will tell you, I have books in my office upon books on, on, on the, the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit baptism and what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. And I just, I just digested as much as I could, and some of it I was choking on. It was painful. But I needed to know what was truth. Now, let me say this to you. You can't go to, go to Google and you can't go to Wikipedia to find the truth of God's word. Okay? And there were even, there were even some books that were published by credible publishers that, that I threw away because they were not biblical. And I, I just, I needed scripture. I just needed to digest God's word so that I could figure out what Holy Spirit baptism meant for my life. It wasn't for me to teach to anybody else, but I knew that there was more for me than just drinking spiritual milk. I needed the meat of the gospel. I needed to know what it was that was gonna help me grow and mature. And I struggled through it for years and I choked sometimes, but man, God brought me through that and now I have a healthy understanding of what that means for the Christian walk. There are things that you are going to have to digest in your theology and in your doctrine that you never even give second thought about, but in order for you to grow, in order for you to become what Christ wants you to become, you've got to chew on that meat. 
You've got to take in that solid food. And you've got to be willing to work through it and put the work in. You know, when a baby begins, begins growing teeth, you just can't hand them a T-bone steak. But over time, they're going to have a full set of teeth. At first, you might need someone to cut it up for you. I think some of you want someone to chew it for you. And then, no, that's gross. Let's just move on. Let me show you. The writer of Hebrews continues in, in chapter 6, and, and he says exactly what I'm saying to you. Hebrews 6, verses 1 through 3. He says, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about, what, uh, about Christ again and again. Is that not what I'm saying? It's still important. It's the most important thing that you'll ever, ever come in contact with. But listen to what he says. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need to f further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. That needs to become the mantra for some of our homes right now. God willing... We're going to move forward and deepen our understanding. I've said this for years. If you are in the same place this time next year as where you are right now, you're not walking with Christ. You're being left behind because he's moving and you're standing still. I don't want to be in the same place this time next year. I want to grow in my relationship with Christ. I want to become more like him. I want to know him. I want to know him and his sufferings, but I also want to know him and his triumphs. I want to see his victory played out in my life. Milk is what others have digested for you. Meat is what you consume for yourself. And it's time that believers pull up to the table and we start feeding ourselves. I'm tired of people leaving churches and saying, I'm not fed. 66 books right here. And it's available for each and every one of you. And, and listen, I don't mean to pull on your heartstrings with this, but there are countries and countries that I am in contact with that they can't even own this. I've got 20 of these in my office. It's time we start pulling up to the table. And we become hungry for the things of God. I refuse to pastor a malnourished church. I refuse to pastor a people that continue to struggle with sin that so easily besets them. When I know all you need to do is develop an appetite, a craving for God. And once you start going after him, you will just want more. Somewhere between our spiritual milk and our spiritual insure, we got to learn to eat meat, church. Somewhere between the moment that we were babes in Christ and the day that we become mature in Christ, we've got to learn to eat the meat.
My son tested positive for COVID 2020 early in the pandemic. Thankfully, he just had mild symptoms, but one of the unfortunate things is like many others and even some of you in the room, he did lose his sense of smell and taste. He got his taste back, but he's still struggling. A year and a half later, he's still struggling with his sense of smell. They say it may never come back. Some people develop spiritual COVID. I don't mean to make light of it, but I'm, I'm serious. Some people develop spiritual COVID and they lose the taste for the things of God. It scares me when I reach a season in my life and I don't feel hungry for God. It should scare you too. When we reach a place and we no longer crave the presence of God, woe to us. Let it be a warning to us. I need God. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.